I think when you have two, uh, when you have conflict, that's one thing. When you have two different ways in which you see the world and you maintain a relationship, I love the way Art said it. It's this, it's this opportunity for spiritual growth. Like if I see the world one way, you see the world a different way, and we go our separate ways, well, that's what everyone does. But if you see the world one way, I see the world another way, and you like stay in relationship, you stay in community, you keep working out, oh, there's all sorts of opportunity for depth and spiritual maturity. And so uh, and that's what we're going to talk about this morning. And it gets really extra crazy when you not only see the world one way and they see the world the other way, when you start having like theology get in the mix, right? When you have like your convictions and the way in which you understand scripture to get in the mix, then it's not just like, oh, you know, do you like the Baltimore Ravens or the Titans? Like in our neck of the wood, no one cares about those things. But like when it matters, like this is the word of God, you know, and this is how I believe the word of God. How in the world do you navigate that? Well, this morning, um, that's what we're going to unpack. How fun is that? So uh, for the last five years, I've been a part of this denominational gathering um, where our high schools every three years go off to Tennessee uh, for this, ga- this huge gathering, like 5,000 students and adults. It's called Chick. It's a stupid name, I know. But we, uh, I'm on that leadership team, and we figure out how in the world do we do life with Christian kids, non-Christian kids, covenanters from all walks of life, from the you know, cuts in uh, Wisconsin to people down in LA to the south side of Chicago to Florida, the whole deal. We all come together. And this last time I was on Chick Council, we spent almost 15 or 20 hours on this one question. Are bikinis sinful? And you think about it, it's a very important question. Because you have kids from all over the country coming together to Tennessee in the hot, sweltering, humidity, rich of the South in summer. It is crazy. And then you take all of these horny kids and you stick them in a pool and who's going to protect them, you know? And us as leaders, we have to, that's what we have to navigate. What is okay? And we have these people from Wisconsin who never see the sun. I'm sorry I'm picking on Wisconsin a lot, but you know what I'm saying? They're in in Wisconsin. They never see the sun. They're like, who wears bikinis? only sinful and worldly and people who have no modesty who just want to cause poor boys to stumble. And we as good Christian people, they're the appropriate way because in 1 Timothy, it talks about appropriate dress. And I know it says long skirts, but that really is translated into one piece bikini, in one piece bathing suits, maybe a tikini. That's where we draw the line. That's the good Christian way. And then we have all these friends down who are in Los Angeles who are like, what is your problem? Uh, we bear, wear bikinis every day. We wear bikinis to the store. We, bear, we wear bikinis to the church because we live in LA, man. That's so cool. And, um, and they're like, why are you putting your judgmental trip on me? Just because you are hornballs and you can't get your mind out of the gutter, I'm free. I read 1 Corinthians. My, most of my privates are covered. I'm good to go. You know, and like, I'm free. Don't judge me. And then there's this like this true cultural shift, this true battle. And both sides can use scripture. Both sides can use the Bible. Both sides can be like, this is the good Christian perspective. Modesty and holiness and temperance and freedom. Freedom. It's pretty good, right? So that's where we align. And so how do these two people come together. And what's interesting is what we're going to see is the people who actually sometimes think they're the Christian strong position, the mature position, actually might in, tune, might in fact be the weaker position. And the person who is perceived as having the weaker position might actually be the stronger position. And whether you agree with bikinis or not bikinis or whatever conviction that you may differ on someone else in your world, there's always going to be, you think you're right because you're 
you're right. Duh, you wouldn't have your position if you didn't think you were right and you love God and you've searched the scriptures and this is my position and you have other people on the other side who disagree totally. And so how in the world is the church are we going to stay united? How are we going to be together? And that's what we're going to look at this morning. Uh, we're going to look at the mark of maturity is actually maintaining unity. If you want to know that you are growing as a Christian, if you want to know that you are becoming this mature and godly woman or man, the way that you know it is not because you're getting more rigid, not because you're drawing more lines in the sand, not because you're just blowing up your nieces and nephews, but you know because you are maintaining unity. That's the true mark of maturity. So this morning, we're going to unpack uh, Romans chapter 14. It's an incredible passage of scripture. We're going to walk our way all the way through it. So if you have your Bible, turn to Romans chapter 14, and we will jump into it. Let me pray for us one more time, and away we go. Heavenly Father and our gracious God, I thank you so much for the way that you love us, and you are so gracious to us. And this morning, God, we humbly come before you as your people who long to know you and to love you and to serve you. We long to honor you, and we long to live in community with knuckleheads who do not see the world the way we do. So God, open our hearts to your Holy Spirit, speak to us through your word, and draw us closer to your son, Jesus. And it's in his name we pray, and all of God's kids said, amen. Here we are, Romans chapter 14 begins like this. Except the one whose faith is weak without quarreling over disputable matters. One person's faith allows them to eat anything, but another whose faith is weak eats only vegetables. The one who eats everything must not treat with contempt the one who does not, and the one who does not eat everything must not judge the one who does, for God has accepted them both. Who are you to judge somebody else's servant to their own master, servant stand or fall, and they will stand on the Lord, for the Lord is able to make them stand. I love this verse one, just says right out the gate. Except the one whose faith is weak, without quarreling over disputable matters. And the deal is, all of us have different convictions. We have different convictions because in the way in which we know God, the way in which we live our lives, we have different things that matter to us. I mean, here in Marin County, we're either vegan, vegetarian, and if we eat meat, it's free-range chickens. Like, that's how we live. We're noble people, you know? And, uh, and I love this passage of Scripture. It says, don't, 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 don't cause a fuss over disputable matters. Well, if they were, if they were indisputable matters, I mean, if they were disputable, we wouldn't care. Like, I don't care if you're a Coke or Pepsi person. Like, it does not matter. And, and what's interesting in this passage of Scripture says, um, it says, accept those whose faith is weak without quarreling over disputable matters. And then it goes in this whole thing about whether or not you should eat meat. There's people who would eat meat and they would feel free about it and people who would only eat vegetables and they would judge each other. And the reason was, back, back then, is the Jewish people who were becoming Christians, the, in the t first, like, four, first three commandments, like, do not do anything with idols. No idol worship, nothing about idols. Like, we are pure people. And uh, what would happen in this day and age, every religion would sacrifice animals. That's how they did it, right? Like, oh, you're, you're screwing up, you sacrifice animals. Even in Judaism, right, the atonement, you'd sacrifice animals. Well, these guys are, are good businessmen. They're like, well, hey, if we're sacrificing all these animals for all these dirtball people in our world, we can sell the meat at the market, maybe discount meat, you know? So they have the discount idol sacrifice meat. And so you would go and you get, do I want like a, a free range uh, hamburger or do I want a, a hamburger sacrificed to, you know, to idols? And for Jewish people, like, you can't do that. And so, they, and, and so, and because you never knew which meat came from meat because it wasn't marked how it is for us, they would be like, well, you know what? I'm not going to eat meat. Instead, I'm going to eat, just eat vegetables, and that way I won't, I won't touch it, I won't contaminate it, I'll be free, I'll be righteous the way God made me to be, and those people, who knows what's happening. And we think it's a disputable matter. But what is so crazy is it is not a disputable matter. Because in Acts chapter 15, 
all these um, Gentile people. So Jewish people were becoming Christians. They're like, this is great. Jesus the Messiah. We're, this is perfect. All these Gentiles were starting to become Christians. All these people who weren't Jewish, they were becoming Christians. And all these Jewish Christians were starting to realize, well, what rules do they need to follow? They have this totally different background, this totally different way of life. And they're all starting to become Christians. But there's all these rules in Judaism, like what rules do they need to follow? And there's a whole group of them, right? They're like, they got us to be circumcised. And all the men were like, well, then peace out. You know, like, and so there was none of this stuff going on. Well, finally, they had this council of Jerusalem and they said, listen, this is what we're going to decide. This is Acts chapter 15. It is my judgment, therefore, that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. Instead, we should write to them, telling them to abstain from food polluted by idols, idols and from sexual immorality. That's it. The whole Jewish law, all 619 uh, laws, plus with it, the Midrash and all the Talmud, like all these gazillions of laws, they said, here's the only two that matter. Don't eat food sacrificed to idols and stay away from sexual immorality. And now you have Paul going, eh, disputable matters over which food to eat. I mean, it is a huge deal. It is a huge deal. And I think it's helpful for us to realize we have convictions, There's ways in which I know God, I love God. There's rules in which I want to follow. There's ways in which I understand the faith should be lived out. But we need to understand that there's actually more gray than there is black and white. These people's faith were not weak because they didn't believe in Jesus. Their faith was weak because they didn't understand how to live out this faith in community. And what God was saying in one person had freedom, the other person, it crushed them. And so the real question is, how do we work this out? The reality is we all have different convictions. I would love it if we all had my convictions. How oh, it'd be so easy. My wife and I, we've been married a long time. We love each other. We, we, live, like, we live together a lot. Like we're mostly in good relationship and we totally have different convictions. And that's my wife, right? We all have different convictions. So the big question is how in the world do we live it out? Well, Paul goes on for the rest of Romans 14 and lays it out. And it's actually really challenging. So here we are. We're gonna start with verse seven. For none of us lives our lives alone. None of us, um, and none of us dies for ourselves alone. If we live, we live for the Lord. And if we die, we die for the Lord. So whatever we live or we belong to the Lord, for this very reason, Christ died and returned to life so that he might be the Lord of both the living and the dead. For none of us lives for ourselves alone. If we live, we live for the Lord alone. If we're going to think about how do we live in community, the only way that it works We can have all the difference of opinions that we want, but the only way that it works is that we are committed to inching closer and moving towards Christ. That's the only way. Our whole mission statement to engage with spiritually hungry towards a life in Christ. Our whole deal is that we want to move towards Christ because the closer we move towards Christ, the more we move towards him, the more he's going to mold us into his image, the more he's going to mold us, the more he's going to shape us, the more he's going to have his way with us right? We are always moving towards Christ. Christ actually has a way in which he wants us to live. There are things that he wants us to do. There's things that he doesn't want us to do. And he moves us graciously because of our own backgrounds and our own histories and our own peculiarities. He moves us graciously along. Now, what happens is if we just stand over here, most of us, we go, oh, I'm mostly okay. I'm a pretty good uh, Christian guy. And then we just sit around and we judge other people. And that's, that does not work. When we stand and we think we're done growing, we have missed the mark. And unfortunately for good Christian people, we use our religiosity to judge other people and to prove that we're really okay. But the Christian faith is not religiosity. It's not here are all the rules, here are all the regulations that you need to follow. And there are rules and regulations sort of that we need to follow. 
But the Christian faith is about having union with Christ, right? Becoming more and more like Christ, being in relationship with Christ. Think of the most healthy relationships that you have with people. The most healthy relationships you have with people, you do things with them and for them because you love them. It's not a checklist. It's not like my parents where I'm like, I got to earn their favor, so I'm going to do this, this, and this, and then maybe my dad won't like be mad at me, right? Those are dysfunctional relationships. Regulations are dysfunctional relationships. Union is, uh, is whole relationships. And Christ is asking us to move more and more towards him. And what's interesting, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not a very good husband. And I'm fully dysfunctional on some different things. And my wife is so gracious. And my, I think part of the reason why she's gracious with me is because she knows that I'm committed to inching closer to Christ, she has a whole list of things I'm sure she wants to fix in me. But she's gracious to me because she knows is the more I move towards Christ, the more I'm going to be open to what God has for me, what she has for me. Right? She'd be so scared if I just crossed my arms like this and said, nope, I'm good. That is so scary. If that's you, just own it. I'm a rebel. I don't care what God's saying right now. Oh, it's so, that's so fun. That's so freeing to go. I don't care what God has for me. I'm going to sit here and throw a temper tantrum. Great. I have all the space for temper tantrums. No space uh, for just being religious jerks. You see the difference? Okay. So that's actually the hardest. This, this whole thing crumbles if we don't do this together. It only works with all of our diverse worldviews and, and, and convictions. It only works if we're committed to moving towards Christ. All right, let's move on. goes on to say, verse 10, You then, why do you judge your brother or sister? Or why do you treat them with contempt? For we all stand before God's judgment seat. It is written, as, usually, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me, every tongue will acknowledge God. So then each of us will give an account of God to ourselves. So if we're going to do this, the very first thing is we have to live a life towards Christ. But the second thing is we have to lay off the judgment. We love being judgmental. It is so good. It feels so good. But really what judgmentalism is, is I've made it this far and I can just look behind me and think of all these people are toolboxes. and go, oh, you guys aren't right. That's what being judgmental is. But the truth is we have to be people who lay off the judgment because the people who are legalistic, right? They look over these people and they judge them. They go, oh, we're trying so hard to follow Jesus. We've given up these things. We're trying to be holy and faithful. We look over them and we just judge them. Why are you so free? You don't understand what you're doing. We need to be doing this together and and it's in us to judge. And these people over here, they look back and they look at them with contempt. Why are you judging me? I'm trying to follow Jesus. This thing that you're all worried about, it doesn't even make sense to me. I mean, there's like, and in our context with so many different generations, like what makes sense to one generation is totally different from the other generation. And what scripture says is, listen, it is not for us to judge. And what's really scary is that whole passage says, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord and we will all have to give an account before Jesus one day. And that's horrifying. All of us. Every thought, every word, every action, every jerky thing, Every single thing we do, I'm accountable. I'm not accountable to you. I'm not accountable to my friends. I'm not accountable to strangers. I'm accountable to me. And what a different thing, right? If Christians, instead of pointing their fingers going, you, 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 got the horrific, scary reality that one day we have to stand before God and be judged on everything. All of a sudden, we'll be a little more humble, a little more gracious, because we're hoping that's God's stance towards us. We have to relax with our judgment. All right, it even gets harder. You ready to keep going? Yeah, I know, totally. Okay, live a life towards Christ. The second is we have to relax with our judgment. The third, it keeps getting harder and harder. It says this. So therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, make up your mind 
to not put any stumbling block or obstacle in the way of a sister or brother. For I am convinced in being fully persuaded in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself. But if anyone regards something as clean, then for that person it is unclean. If your brother or sister is distressed because of what you eat, you are no longer acting in love. Do not by your eating destroy someone who for Christ died. This is where the rubber begins to meet the road. I have this way in which I see the world. You have this way in which I see the world. And there's a difference of opinion. And for us in our world, it's all about my rights. I have the right to be and to do and to dress and to say and to eat and to drink and to watch whatever I want. I am free. That is like, that is our cultural like banner. I am free to do whatever I want. I am free. But in the body of Christ, we are connected to each other. And so therefore, if somebody over here sees this thing and they're, they're not free, they have this, this thing that is driving them crazy. And they look and they go, how can you be a follower of Christ if you still do those things? Well, they're the weaker brother. The, the poor people in Wisconsin who are like, bikinis are the worst thing of all time, right? That's the way they see the world. It's the convictions. It's, it's, that's my broad generality, right? But that's for them. But these guys over here, the bikini people, to be the stronger person has to go, oh my goodness, I don't get them. They're the weirdest. However, if I'm going to be in community with them, am I willing to give up my rights? And that's really hard for a 15-year-old at Chick. But for us as adults, as Christians, we have to get after that. And I, I mean, I had this exact same thing happen to us as a church. I mean, it happened to me personally. And uh, I talked to Art already, and he can't fire me because of our polity. So I'm just going to go for it. So a year and a half ago, I, uh, I broke my kneecap broke it right in half. And uh, you go into surgery and they give you medication. Uh, and for like a whole day, you feel so good because you're medicated really well by the doctors. And then they give you pills to come home, right? And, uh, and I got really good and powerful pills, like Oxycontin, like the big stuff, you know? And, uh, but the deal was it ruined me. It like messed with me. Some people, I mean, respond to narcotics in a whole bunch of different ways. Like I didn't like get any cool hallucinogenics or anything like that. I got constipation, like the worst. And for you doctors and nurses and people who've had it, you know what I'm talking about. I mean, devastating. I'm in the bathroom, devastated forever. It ruined me. Not only did it like give me constipation, it gave me a headache. It hurt my, like, it, it just, it, it reacted. To, it ruined me. And so therefore I'm not taking my meds right. And therefore my knee is just killing me. And so I'm living in this pain and I'm totally struggling because the medicine they're supposed to give me is having all these weird side effects and I'm dying. Well, my sister, who's really free, she goes, Ben, medical marijuana does everything that you need with none, of the, with none of the side effects. I'm like, oh, praise the Lord, right? <laughs> so here I am. I'm, I'm torn because I am free. I'm not a pothead. I don't abuse uh, prescription drugs. I've been mostly free from all that stuff my whole life. So here to go and to have a doctor prescribe medical marijuana versus Oxycontin, for me, I am free. I am so free. Now, however, I work at a church with you guys. I get to hang out with students who I love. Middle schoolers like my son, who I love. It gets really complex to try to explain getting my medical marijuana card and how it's really okay, not like your friends who have, you know, glaucoma on, and, and are juniors in high school. It's not like them, right? Like it's, it's, this, it's, this, it's this tension. And so I, I was really torn because I was a wreck and I needed relief. And to go, oh my gosh, I'm free, 
But for the sake of the body, for the sake of our church, for the sake of our students, am I willing to just suffer through and take more X-lax than is humanly desirable to do? And, and, I, and I made that decision. And, and I didn't make it because it's bad or because it's wrong or, or because I was too scared. It's not about being scared or being fired. It's about my love for the body of Christ. And it's a costly thing. When we give up our freedoms, it's a costly thing. Does that make sense? Are you tracking with me? All right. Send your emails to Art. Okay. <laughs> So live a life worthy of Christ, relax with your judgment, die to your own freedoms, and then lastly is this. Therefore, do not let what you know is good be taken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and receives human approval. Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and the mutual edification. Let us make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. Boy, that sounds so nice and Christian-y and like you want to make a bumper sticker of it. And in real life, it is so hard because we don't just disagree with people because they're just idiots. We really disagree with people. And other people are just like us and they have their convictions and their jerks right back at us. But what a challenge it is to do whatever we must to live at peace. Whatever we must. I love grandparents because grandparents, like when, a, you know, when moms freak out because their daughter, their teenage daughters are flipping out and the grandma's like, oh, honey, you were 10 times worse than that. You know? You're like, no, but you don't understand my daughter. She's blah, blah, blah. Or my son. And the grandfather's like, well, if you even knew yourself, like you don't even know the hell that you put us through, you know? And grandparents, they have, because they're mature. And because they're mature, they are able to just relax. And they live at peace because they live through all the hell of your teenagedom. And so now when, they, when these teenagers are going through it, they're like, ah, we're at peace. And there's, there's this peace that comes with maturity of having, being able to step back and go, it's really going to be okay. All these battles and red lines of sand and screaming fesses. And please, sometimes those are totally appropriate. But at some point, especially as your kids get older and older, like you kind of got to let them go. And what does that mean? And there's this peace. You do whatever it takes to be at peace. You do whatever it takes. Parents, especially if you're in that middle of the time with your teenagers, whatever it takes to work after and run after your kid to be in relationship with them for their whole life. We do what it takes to live in peace. As the body of Christ, we do whatever it takes to live at peace. The biggest times we get into trouble are because everyone sees us as divided because we all can't get along. And the truth is, if we're deadly honest, there are things that we're going to disagree on. There's going to be things that as Marine Covenant Church, the bulk of our church, we say, this is what we agree on. This is the way we understand scripture. This is the way we're going to choose to live our life. And you're going to be like, oh, that doesn't totally work with me. And we're going to do our best to all live in community, but at some point you might have to go, ah, that's not going to work for me. Well, thankfully, the broad, broad body of Christ is so broad. And there's a body of Christ in Marin that's actually probably going to be right where you are in this moment, in this season of life. And so instead of us going, we're the one true church, every other church is a big mistake, going, no, we are part of the body of Christ. This is the way in which we're living it out. And we are going to live at peace among our body. And we're going to live at peace among the other churches in Marin and in the across the world because that is how it gets worked out. So at the end of the day, if, how do we live with conflict? You, live, you believe this way. I believe this way. How do we do it? We have to live a life towards Christ. We have to relax with our judgment. We have to die to our own freedoms. And we have to make every effort, every effort to live in peace. So 
how do you know that you're growing in Christ? How do you know that you are maturing in Christ? Well, this is how you know. Maturity is not marked by being rigid. Now, we think, at least if I've always thought this way, I knew I was a good follower of Christ because I knew what I believed. I was this oak. I was unshakable. I was unmovable. I had these convictions that God put on me, and I was going to run after them for the kingdom of God de- depended on it. Well, the end of my, uh, the summer before my senior year, I just finished working at summer camp. That was the summer Kate and I were like, yes, we are really in love. We're going to get married. I was going to go into ministry. I was the president of my little Christian fraternity. I was the man. I was so the man. God was doing this stuff in me. I was following him. I was like, every, I, I threw away my Lance Morissette CD. You know, like I was, I was, I was really getting after it. And, uh, and because I was running after Jesus with all that I had, as hard as I could, I was the, this mature man of God. So I'm coming into my senior year feeling like I'm the man. Well, this woman friend of mine, she's going into her senior year. She just came from an overseas mission trip all summer long. And God did this amazing thing in her. I mean, rocked her world. I mean, God met her. She had this vision from God that God was inviting her and calling her not into just the ministry, but into missionary ministry and to go and to get after something really big and incredible. Well, she's all excited. And as she's talking to me, I start getting this pit in my stomach. And well, doesn't she know? Hasn't she read the scriptures? It is so crystal clear that God would not have met her in that way because there's no way that God would ever call a woman to be in leadership in ministry. I know. (laughs) I know. Can you believe that? And I'm having this pit. I'm getting these cold sweats because I love her. And I don't want her to disobey God her whole life. Who's the adult in her life who's going to tell her this thing? Who's the mature, godly man who will tell this poor woman she's going to live in sin? Live with your boyfriend all you want, that's great, but don't go into leadership in the church. So I did. I told her. Someone had to. And oh my gosh, to this day, we're Facebook friends and I think we're still mostly okay, but I, to this day, she'll post something and I have this pit of just shame and horror that me, trying so hard to love Jesus, to be noble, to be the rigid and rock that God has called me to be, ending up wrecking shop all over the place. Boy, that's just one. I could give you 10,000 examples, unfortunately. I'm I'm a slow learner, but that's the deal. So it is, we, we have to understand that maturity is not being rigid. Actually, maturity is marked by humility and grace and generosity. It is mature people like our grandparents who can go, it's going to be okay. They don't give up. They're not like, oh, my granddaughter, whatever she's doing, that's okay. That's, it's not about saying everything is okay, but it's about giving space for the person who is on a totally different part of the path towards Christ than I am. I'm on this path, getting after it. You're on that path, getting after it. And we all have to have maturity that looks like humility and grace and generosity. And we have to be willing to own our own stuff. There are things that God's going to ask us to give up and to get after if we are going to be the mature um, people that God calls for us to be. So, and lastly, it says this, it's marked by righteousness, peace, I mean, and joy in the Holy Spirit. If you want to know what maturity looks like, it is marked by righteousness, peace, 
and joy in the Holy Spirit. Maturity is not being so free that no rules apply for it to you. That's like the beginning of maturity, but the maturity that God is inviting us to is that we are people who run after Jesus. We run after righteousness. We run after holiness. We run after purity. All those words that we hate, that our parents made us just hated all those words. They're so old and stuffy. But as Christians, we run after them. Righteousness matters. Holiness matters. Purity matters. It matters. Right and wrong matter. And we run after them with all that we are. But we don't run after them, guns blazing at those around us. We run after them and we offer peace and joy to other people. Here's the last thing. Our context is getting exponentially more complex. The relationships that we have, the interactions that we have, the people at our work, the people who are Facebook friends, the people who we bump into in the city um, are from every walk of life, every ethnicity, every religion, every worldview, every sort of baggage, every sort of dysfunction, from everywhere. And the days of just finding my four people who agree with me and live life together are long gone. Man, I wish that was the case. I wish I could just keep my kids all so protected. But those days are long gone. So our world is so complex. And in a comp- on a complex world, that just means that us, as the Christians, as the followers of Christ, we have to lean into that complexity. We have to be the mature, rock-solid Christ followers that God longs for us to be. And the way we do it is by one, leaning into Jesus. We have to always be moving towards Jesus. We have to always be open that God might need to mold us and shape us, direct us, rebuke us, correct us, encourage us, have his way with us. Every day I need to be open that every aspect of my life, God actually has something for me in. That is really scary and hard. But that is on me and hopefully on you. You run after Jesus with all of who you are. And when you run after Jesus with all of who you are, run after righteousness and holiness with all of who you are. And then lastly, the hardest part, you have to extend grace and mercy and generosity for the people who just happen to not be where you are yet. And when we do that, we are gonna be good news to our church and to the whole world around us. Because Christians don't have the market on being judgmental. I mean, everyone is. We actually just have a solution for it. And that's because we submit to Jesus, we run after righteousness, and we show grace and mercy to those around us. Amen? Amen. Amen.